Okay, we have another guest with us uh, this episode. He was introduced, um, kind of dropped a teaser a number of months ago that he was going to join us um, and talk about the topic of fasting. So uh, it's James Shank. We've been friends for quite a number of years, um, but I'll go ahead and let him introduce himself here. Uh, hello. Yes, as James Garing said, my name's James Shank. And I'm delighted to be invited to be part of this podcast, especially on a such a serious and uh, important topic. A little bit about myself. Uh, I have uh, lived in the same house nearly all my life. We rented for about a year after we were married, but then I uh, purchased my parents' home and moved right back home. So this apple hasn't fallen too far from the tree, but... <laughs> I think there's merits in having deep roots as well as being able to spread your wings and fly also. I uh, am a father of seven children. Lord willing, we're expecting another one in August. I've been friends with James, as he mentioned, for many years. We also share several different interests, mountain biking, hiking, astronomy. He's been a school teacher for years. I'm Attempting to teach a few classes this year, learning my way, and we'll see where that leads. And never have had the privilege to meet Sean, but I'm anticipating that, Lord willing, that might be in the future. But uh, anyway, enough about me. Yeah, well, I look forward to meeting you someday, hopefully. James didn't mention it, but he also is an ordained deacon, so he has work that he does there as well. So he's a, no doubt, a very busy man. He has many, many jobs, many hats. We've talked about some of those, some of those struggles that those of us that are kind of in this stage of life have. So anyway, uh, James Schenck didn't say, he said, uh, how long, or how did you say you've lived in the same house most or all of your life, but how long has all of your life been? I am 41 years old. Okay. Heading towards 42. <laughs> that is not as old as it used to sound when you was 18 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's for sure. Yeah, so the idea for this particular topic came, I actually looked and found the original email, and it was March of 21. So it's been, actually it was March, it was the 21st of March 2021. So it's been exactly a year ago. Wow. <laughs> we got the email. That's just coincidence. Wow, that's incredible. So the listener has been waiting for a long time <laughs> for this topic. Yeah, the email came from a listener who was wondering about whether we'd be willing to talk about fasting. And I'll go ahead and actually read the email. We read it a number of months ago, but I'll read it again. This is just part of the email with the questions. It says, what is your opinion on fasting? The Bible mentions it, but it doesn't go into too much detail. How often should it be done? That question obviously can be taken in a very general sense because everyone is different, but for the sake of discussion. How long should it be done? Some people can fast for a week or more, while some others of us would probably wither away if we ever tried to do that. Are there different methods of fasting? Does it always have to be food? So there's a number of questions there that I'm hoping we can discuss a little bit here. And the reason why James Shank is joining us is because when he heard that we were maybe going to be doing an episode on fasting. He he mentioned to me, just kind of in passing, that that was something that he had interest in and he thought some about. And I said, well, why don't you come on the podcast? So that's why he's joining us here. So James, if you could share with us why you, uh, like what was your reason for becoming interested in fasting or uh, kind of what was your journey there? Okay, so fasting is obviously mentioned many different times in the Bible. Jesus himself taught a very powerful sermon on fasting without words when he fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. But as far as a personal journey on fasting, it's, it's one of those things you are a little hesitant to talk about but <laughs> just for, <laughs> you know, for sure. I just don't want anybody to think that I'm trying to blow my own horn or anything. It, it really wasn't me. It was, I was part of a group with a, a group of young men being younger than myself anyway, and as a support for each other, we kind of started a weekly fast. I'm not going to say weekly all the time. It wasn't strictly weekly, but if there was any need or anything in any one of our lives, we would join together in prayer and fasting, and that really helped me along. 
And then also the church that I'm a part of, it's not a strictly taught ordinance, but we are encouraged in prayer and fasting twice a year. But for the sake of sounding like it's a ritual, which we want to avoid, but we don't want to avoid fasting because it can become ritualistic for Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate the teaching that we get at our church on that, as well as the twice a year opportunity to fast as a group, but also fasting as a very personal act of worship between you and your God, for sure. Mm-hmm. You, when you say that you're in your church, that you that it's taught twice a year, you're also saying that you, uh, as a collective, choose at that time to, to fast? Yes, there is uh, kind of a standard before communion. We have a day of prayer and fasting and almsgiving yeah, called okay. preparatory service. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that uh, that fasting is more focused than in that context on preparation for the communion service and so on, and not necessarily on uh, another particular need in, in the church or community. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Very good. I've not heard of a church doing that before, so that's interesting to me. Yeah. No, James, I don't think you need to worry about... <laughs> tooting your own horn, as it were, because, I mean, I think it's very, well, I mean, you can oftentimes tell what attitude somebody has when they're talking about experiences in their lives. Obviously, people can take it wrong, but a lot of times it's easy to, to tell what what attitude or what spirit somebody has, and I think it's very valuable to hear what experience somebody has had with fasting or with prayer or with whatever type of uh, experience and can, you know, maybe learn from that or be inspired by that. So, yeah, I'm glad you're able to well, to share with that's us. That's one of the reasons I want to, you know, talk about it is because fasting is not something that has to be, you don't have to go to, and maybe we can get into this later in the podcast, but fasting is not something that you need to go to seminary school to learn how to do. It's, mm-hmm. there's no special training needed. It simply needs to be taught. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not something that I've done very good at or done very much in the past. And it's, it's maybe a combination of factors. I mean, part of it is I like food (laughs) and (laughs) I don't like being uncomfortable. I mean, anybody that knows me knows that I like food and I like it too much. I'll be the first to admit. (laughs) I can share a little story here in some of our hiking excursions. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Tend to go for two or three days and typically within the, first or second hour of our hike we are avidly discussing how we're gonna what restaurant we're gonna hit when we get done with this hike where are we gonna go what are we gonna get and then we start talking about recipes and then we start talking about good food that we've had and the next thing you know we're (laughs) chowing down everything we have in our food bags and looking for more yeah yeah pretty much pretty much so i can i can attest to jim's love of good food yeah um, and this is somewhat of a digression from this, but we're kind of talking about food now. And you've read my book, James, and you have as well, Sean. And mm-hmm. so you all know that food is a very uh, common mm-hmm. thread or theme throughout the whole book. And there was one person that read it who was part of a reading challenge. And you're supposed to read a book about food. And they decided that my book qualified. <laughs> so they... <laughs> <laughs> So, and yeah, my book is not supposed to be about food. It's about a bike trip. So, but I, I kind of had to chuckle and everybody that knows me very much chuckled about that. So, (laughs) and just an interesting thing real quick too, while we're on that topic, ever since I've had COVID, uh, I never was much of a foodie food would, I would eat food, what was ever put in front of me. But ever since I've had COVID, my taste buds have exploded and I can taste food like I've never been able to taste food before. <laughs> that is just really strange because, I mean, that is the exact opposite of what pretty much everybody else has said. I guess it's better to, to have that than to uh, have your taste buds not work for six months like some people. Uh, that would be terrible. Well, I did lose it for a day or two, but it just came back with a, yeah. <laughs> no, consider yourself blessed, I suppose. Yeah. So, yeah, like I was saying, I haven't really done a lot of fasting, and it's it's been, um, yeah, it, it's not really seemed as central or as important as some of the other things like Bible reading and prayer and, and so forth, and 
and it was also just easy to kind of push it off and kind of forget about it. And I think maybe I maybe sometimes felt like fasting had to be something really big. Like you couldn't just fast for a short time. You had to fast for a long time. And so Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure if I could do that. And so I just didn't do it. Yeah. So I think that was kind of part of what I did. Um, why I didn't fast very often, but it's definitely been something that whenever there's a sermon about it or somebody mentions it, I think, man, I really should try it more. (laughs) And well, then it's very easy to kind of like it says in the book of James, which is appropriate considering we have two Jameses here (laughs) that, you know, like you look, it's like a man like looks at himself in the mirror and turns away and kind of forgets. I think that's kind of a tendency we have. We we think of something we should do or we hear a sermon and think, oh, I should do better. And then we just end up not doing it. Yeah. So at least that's been kind of my experience uh, with when it comes to fasting. I guess another James that gets on the podcast a lot or has in the past is James Clear. He would probably have some things to say about how to uh, put new habits into action in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's just talk a little bit about, I mean, you know, some of this is maybe fairly elementary, but we'll kind of got to start elementary and we can work our way up. So what is what is fasting? Just a simple question. What is fasting? Going without something uh, is probably the simplest idea of fasting, but I think generally speaking, it's like uh, more focused on going without food for a time. Mm-hmm. I think in just about all the instances that you find in the Bible that reference fasting, I believe food is the central mm-hmm. theme there. Yeah. I may be wrong. Yeah, I think that is right. I mean, it's not necessarily... Like, it's not like they went without food. It's just they fasted and prayed. And so it's just a lot of times it's assumed that it's food. But I think in Daniel, they mentioned like specifics like sweet meats and mm-hmm. wine. I don't have that reference there in front of me. But so that yeah. would be kind of more of a partial fast. Yeah. So, yeah, going without food. And oftentimes the term is used fasting from coffee. So we are currently in the season of Lent. Some people observe Lent. It's kind of a, would be kind of a Catholic observance, I believe. But some of our people have taken it and used it as an opportunity to kind of help them remember the death of Christ. You know, of course, we're coming into the Easter season to help them remember that and uh, as, a, as a time where they can discipline themselves in different areas, looking looking forward to that time of uh, of commemorating the death of uh, uh, the death and resurrection of Christ. And so I've heard of people not drinking coffee for uh, the 40 days of Lent, going without this or that, or going without their certain app on their phone or something like that. I don't know if Sean or James, have y'all done anything like that before? I have stayed away from caffeine for a certain amount of time just to see if it was something that was able to do but it seems like oftentimes that has more of a focus on health or mm-hmm. or ridding yourselves of this or that it's more of a not so much as a fasting for spiritual purpose as it is for a physical reason and I don't think that's all wrong I don't think that's all wrong at all mm-hmm. but uh, that's been my experience mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah for me I have over the years observed Lent itself and then some other times maybe in a similar vein where I would give up something. Um, Food doesn't appeal to me nearly as much as it does to the Jameses. (laughs) And so giving up food uh, didn't didn't really seem like a a hard thing to do sometimes because I, yeah, it was more that I had to discipline myself to eat occasionally and so giving up other things uh, affected me more, maybe, uh, maybe deciding to, uh, well, one year I, I did give up coffee. I'm a, I'm a, a huge coffee fan, as a lot of people know. And my coworkers that year during Lent, they called it the month of sadness because <laughs> apparently I was kind of a a sad, sorry person to get along with uh, during that month, but <laughs> it was supposed to help me uh, 
help me think about <laughs> the Lord and uh, what he went through. But yeah, other other things over the years I've done, uh, giving up maybe reading or a certain genre of reading um, or limiting my uh, my phone use as far as like, um, say I have a Kindle on my phone or other things that I might access on there that I would uh, cut out for an entire month or Lent or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, it, it, fasting traditionally does mean food. At least that's in the Bible. That's how we've always seen it. Now, it doesn't always mean a complete fast, and uh, there are different types of fasts we might talk about later. Sometimes it can be refraining from a certain type of food, like it talks about in Daniel, uh, kind of the delicacies and that sort of thing, just keeping it to just your plain, more healthy food, I guess. In researching for this episode, I was looking through the Old and New Testaments and just looking at different verses on fasting. And oftentimes in the Old Testament, there was fasting done for uh, as sorrow for for sins. Mm-hmm. I think there was... I think the only fast in the old law was maybe the Day of Atonement. I'm not positive if that's correct, but kind of atonement for their sins. And then there was also other other times that they fasted. So there was there was fasting when when horrible things happened. So for instance, in in Judges, in Judges there was uh, where the, where Israel fought against the tribe of Benjamin, and in many yeah, many Israelites and and Benjamites were killed during that time. So it was it was fighting between the people of God, and so there was there's a lot of fasting over that over that tragedy. And then there's a number, yeah, just a number of different fasts through the Old Testament. And a lot of times it's it's due to tragedy, or I think in Esther it also Esther and some of her, some of her maidens fasted before she went before the king. There's just a number of different fasts there in the Old Testament. And then, of course, kind of the, the main place in the New Testament we think about fasting is, yeah, so in the Sermon on the Mount, he uh, he said, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces. They may appear to men to be fasting. Jesus talked about an acceptable way to fast and an unacceptable way to fast. And then, of course, in Acts, I believe, there was a number of different times that the early church fasted. Uh, I think they fasted before they, before they chose some of their leaders, and I think they also fasted at different times. See, didn't they fast when, like maybe Paul and some others were in prison? Yeah, and they fasted. They were in fasting and prayer in the time between Jesus' ascension and uh, and the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting the way Jesus puts it there in Matthew six in that sermon. You know, so I think. He talks about it. I think it's interesting to note that it's it's okay to talk about fasting. I mean, the wrong idea is to say sit around and we're talking about who's fasting this week and what they're fasting for uh-huh. and mm-hmm. this and that. Obviously, that that's gossip. But to sit around and have a discussion about fasting and to encourage one another and to upbuild others is very encouraging and uplifting. Mm-hmm. So we definitely can see that fasting is something that even Christ talked about and said, uh, he said, when you fast, he doesn't say if you fast. Mm-hmm. So I find that kind of interesting. So as far as fasting, what, what are the different types of fasts? And uh, so one of the questions was, how long should we fast? How often should we fast? I guess, in other words, how frequent should it be? So I don't know if you all have some have some thoughts on that. Well, I think a lot of fasting, how long you should fast, when you should fast, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's a very personal one-on-one relationship between you and God through prayer. I think uh, we haven't really talked about the book that brought this fasting podcast on, God's Chosen Fast, mm-hmm. but uh, in that book, towards the very back, they there's a diary of a man that takes a rather lengthy fast. I think several times through that fast he mentions, well, somebody had mentioned that Daniel fast, which was 21 days, and Mm -hmm. just if you're in tune with the Spirit, let God lead, and you'll know how long the fast should be. 
Yeah, and I think we should be fasting. I mean, I think we should have a clear reason for why we're fasting. I think it's not a good idea to just fast just for no reason. There should be a goal for why we're fasting. I actually spent, I did one fast per week for about two months. And it wasn't a, a it wasn't an extreme fast, but it was just, um, I didn't eat any breakfast, didn't eat any lunch, and then finally ate supper. So it was about a 24 hour uh, that I didn't have any food. And it was good. I'm, I'm glad I did it. For one, I found that it maybe wasn't as difficult as I thought it was. But at the same time, I don't know that I felt like I learned a lot from it or that it was super valuable. And so, but I do think that I did learn some good things in that it's something that I would like to do more of. I would like to do it with more of a, of a goal in mind. And I wish I would have done better at at coming up with a goal. There's a number of different things that, that it talks about. Um, in God's chosen fast, which, yeah, we haven't talked about that much, uh, you know, different reasons why you would do it. And I won't go through all of them, but just kind of some of the, some of the titles of the chapters, uh, are for personal sanctity. Mm-hmm. So, uh, to, uh, to sanctify yourself, to, to deal with some of the issues that, that we all deal with temptations and things like that. We all have we all have desires. We all have temptations. Each person maybe has different ones, but we all have things we deal with. And fasting is a way to to kind of bring your body under subjection because a lot of the things we deal with are desires of the flesh. One thing that, that uh, kind of stuck out to me, and somebody mentioned it just in the last number of months, and I've, I've kind of thought a bit about it. And in Ezekiel, uh, he talks about what was the sin of Sodom? And when we think about the sin of Sodom, we oftentimes think about uh, sexual sins mm-hmm. because that's what, what happened when uh, the angels came there to Lot. There, there was a lot of really horrible sexual immorality. But if you read Ezekiel, it's, it's, it sounds a little bit different. So Ezekiel sixteen forty nine through 50, Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food, and abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor needy, and they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw fit. And the words that stuck out to me was pride, fullness of food, and abundance of idleness. Yeah. I don't know. That sounds a little bit like kind of the culture we live in. Yes, I read a reading one time. uh, Oh, it's been a few months back. It was called The Sin of Gluttony. Mm -hmm. Obviously, gluttony, I think, if you want to have an opposite for fasting i believe gluttony would be that Mm -hmm. and it's something that that it's yeah in the culture we live in where you can stop every mile and pick up a donut and (laughs) soda it makes it easy to to do but that verse in proverbs that says put a knife to thy throat if thou be a man given to appetite applies i think in Mm -hmm. our culture I have a question for you two. Have either of you all taken a, a longer fast? You say take a fast? I think that's right. <laughs> Done a fast? Done a fast. Sure. Fasted. <laughs> Fasted. <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't. I mean, I think the longest I fasted was about two or three days. Mm-hmm. was the longest I've done. I've one time fasted for several days. Mm-hmm. The thing I found out from that was the first two days are the hardest. <laughs> yeah. It was really encouraging to to know that. And, you know, it, it wasn't a lengthy fast, not not even close to 21 days, <laughs> just, <laughs> just a week. But uh, the first two days are really the hardest. And then after that, I guess your body kind of switches metabolism or something. That book, God's Chosen Fast, has some in-depth information mm-hmm. on that and that uh, that diary at the back of the 21 day fast really gives some insight onto lengthy fasting mm-hmm. i have taken a couple of longer fasts in my life maybe it's part of what i was saying earlier that a food isn't one of those things that i 
just in desire or, or crave a lot. And so it, it might be a little bit easier uh, for me in some respects. I don't know, but a person does get hungry after a while and that is tough. I think for me, I don't find myself like craving or dreaming about food or feeling even lots of hunger, but I have to watch that I don't eat without thinking when I'm, when I'm on a fast because uh, you know, you, you come in from working out uh, with the animals and uh, you feel a little bit hungry. And so you grab a cookie or whatever it may be. And, uh, and pretty soon you're taking us or having a snack and you didn't mean to. <laughs> I mean, food is, it is a necessity of life. I mean, that is, that is basic and understood. Mm-hmm. But I think fasting, well, the Christian life is about discipline and fasting rather than, I mean, because food is something that's a necessity, but in a lot of cultures, ours included, there's a surfeit of food. So when we are able to fast and deny ourselves, take up our cross and deny ourselves, Mm -hmm. the discipline that comes from that is far better than the health benefits that's gained by fasting for a while. And I think something you said a little earlier, James, was um, how did you say it? The idea was that f- fasting for for health or for diet has a focus that's on me, right? On my mm-hmm. body or something that I want to benefit, uh, maybe even a discipline for a particular uh, a physical thing I want to do or a physical way I want to look. Whereas fasting is all about God. Yeah. And I think that's why, for instance, James was saying that he was fasting with a number of other men and they had, had, you know, legitimate things that they were fasting for, uh, to support each other and, and disciple each other. And that sort of thing is going to be much more much more fulfilling. And I think a lot more blessing is going to come from that than just, you know, how tough can I be? Mm -hmm. But Paul does talk about how that, you know, that we need to put our bodies under subjection. We live in a culture and that culture has very much bled into our subculture where it's much more normal to indulge our bodies, indulge our fleshly desires. And so fasting, I think, yeah, a large benefit of that is is you are bringing your body under subjection because, I mean, our bodies aren't bad. You know, we're not, uh, what is it, Gnosticism maybe that says that physical things are bad. Um, that's not what's, what is going on here, but there are those fleshly desires that, uh, that are bad and can lead us away. And so we have to, we have to deal with that. And not only that, you know, some of those desires are actually good mm-hmm. in you know, the desire for food. If you, if you have no desire for food, you're going to waste away. And so there's a natural craving for food that your body has. There's, there's a natural desire for physical intimacy. And that is a very good thing between a man and a woman uh, that are married between a husband and wife. But that sort of thing can be completely, you know, in the wrong context or whatever can be twisted and become a very bad thing. And so we have to discipline our bodies to where those, where those legitimate desires don't become illegitimate. So, yeah, I had said earlier in the podcast about fasting almost completely relating to food. But what you just said there, James, uh, brought to mind this scripture here in 1 Corinthians 7 that does, does relate to the physical intimacy that you just spoke of. And it's defraud you not one the other except it be with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again. You're refraining from physical intimacy and mm-hmm. fasting and prayer at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just a time of special focus on on prayer and fasting. What is the what is the uh purpose then of fasting today, James Gehring, you mentioned earlier that there was only one sort of commanded fast in the Old Testament and the majority of the rest of them had to do with a great sorrow for uh, maybe the entire nation of 
of Israel having fallen into sin, or mm-hmm. uh, we think about the city of Nineveh, or uh, some other great tragedy in the Old Testament. So why do we? What's what's the point? Why why should I care about fasting, or why should the listener care? Is it important for me today? I think the scripture, uh, Matthew sixteen twenty four. Uh, is very relevant. It is, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and mm-hmm. take up his cross and follow me. He doesn't specifically mention fasting here, but I think in in a setting where there is a surfeit of bread, yeah, fasting is certainly one way of denying yourself. Yeah, there's there. I think there's some other... Uh, so we've been talking a little bit about fasting for personal sanctity, but in... Um, God's chosen fast. It also has a number of other reasons. It says to be heard on high, and that actually comes from kind of the uh, one of the very common places where people read about fasting in Isaiah fifty-eight about the acceptable or the chosen fast. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go ahead and maybe read here, starting at verse three. Why have we fasted? They say, and you have not seen. Why have we afflicted our souls, and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your labors. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate, and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. So it seems like there's a, oftentimes there's fasting done not just in sorrow, but also in asking God for something. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, asking for forgiveness for, um, for instance, or there's times where people in the Old Testament have actually tried to change God's mind by fasting. For instance, David, I just recently have been reading through Second Samuel, and David and Bathsheba's first child got sick after after the prophet Nathan talked to David and exposed his his uh, terrible sin. For an, yeah, uh, uh, for a period of time, David fasted, hoping that the, the child would be spared, but he wasn't. Uh, but there was other instances where where God did decide not to. Uh, so in First Kings, and this is uh, about Ahab and uh, Naboth's vineyard. So it was when Ahab heard these words that he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his body and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about mourning. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me. Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the calamity in his days. In the days of his son, I will bring the calamity on his house. So um, Ahab humbling himself and fasting and putting sackcloth that um, postponed the time of judgment on his house until after after he died. That's, that's just one example. There are many others as well. Going back to Isaiah 58, uh, verse 6, Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? It, it seems like fasting is, is a way to, uh, maybe this isn't the right way to say it, but to kind of let the Lord know that we're serious about our, about our praying. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I want to, I don't want to leave the impression that fasting is, it's not a direct line to a miracle, but rather it's a way of humbling oneself. Mm-hmm. You know, sackcloth and ashes is often mentioned with fasting, but it's only in oneself in such a way that you can just, you can remove things that otherwise hinder your prayers. And like you said, James, it, Mm -hmm. it, it does let God know that it's something very, very important to you. Yeah, there was, um, there were some of Jesus' disciples went out and were trying to, to cast a demon or, uh, like an evil spirit out of this person and they weren't able to do it. And Jesus came along and did it, and he said, these, these only come out by prayer and fasting. They couldn't use their regular methods of casting out this evil spirit. They had to, had to do prayer and fasting. So it seems like prayer and fasting kind of come together, or they, they go together, I should say, where you're praying for answer to a specific supplication, a specific need that, that uh, fasting, fasting can help that be accomplished. I was just going to say, I had read something about that particular miracle. It was just interesting, you know, that disciples weren't able to remove the demon of that specific instance. But when Jesus came, 
it's it's not like he had time to take a day or two to fast and then remove that. He <laughs> he removed that demon right there, and mm-hmm. the oh I can't remember exactly how it went, but it was it was a lifestyle of fasting that Jesus lived that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that kept him mm-hmm. ready for that kind of a spiritual warfare. And we know that the disciples were criticized for not fasting, mm-hmm. and so. Jesus said, well, they won't fast until after he's gone, then it'll be the time for them to fast. But it does seem like Jesus himself fasted. And we see that even in on the day where he met with the Samaritan woman and the disciples urged him to eat and he chose not to. And then he stayed a couple of days in that city and says many people uh, came to him and were saved uh, or the idea uh, that they followed him. And so Mm-hmm. Uh, the disciples weren't fasting, but it seems like the master was. I'm curious if either of you, Jameses, have some practical ways that you think, whether it's young people, uh, young believers, or people in high school, people in college, or some other seasons of life, like what are some practical ways that they could fast, or what should they fast about, or even maybe for how long and how to include prayer in their lives. So fasting is simply doing without. I think we've mentioned food is the most often thing to fast from, but there are other things. And simply diving in and certainly not starting with a week-long fast if you're, a, uh, if you're new at this, but skipping meals and growing. And as you... Feel the Lord working in your life, bringing strength through this fasting, then continue on. And as far as what to fast for, uh, anything that's important in your life, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, a future spouse, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, a professional course, what uh, classes you might need, church life, how you can, how you can help, but I think a very important thing to remember is that fasting is not about yourself. Sean mentioned this several times. Fasting is about your relationship with God. Uh-huh. And that diary of a fast in the book God's Chosen Fast, in retrospect, it says the purpose of the fast was not to receive, but to give mm. in waiting on God in prayer and intercession. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll kind of add to that. Um kind of echo what James already said. I think uh, I remember when I was a young person, I had <laughs> I had many questions. I had many needs. Um, I had many ways in which I fell short. And I think that if you are, are wondering how to fast, I would say pick, pick any one of a number of different things, or maybe even several things, and spend, you know, I, I would say you, you could probably start with, with a a fast similar to what I did over the last couple of months. Um, so one day a week, I would just not not eat any breakfast or any lunch and just eat supper. You could start with something like that, but I would also make sure that you also have a particular focus on prayer mm-hmm. for those issues in your life or maybe not even issues in your life. It could be a need that you might have. Maybe you have a friend who's really struggling with depression or some other need that they might have. Perhaps your church is going through leadership difficulties. There's many different things that you can that you can fast and pray about. So I feel like you should pick pick a need and then fast and pray for that particular need and just start there. And like James already said, as as maybe you feel the Lord leading, you can fast for longer periods. Something I've never really done, but Sean talked about it, is fasting with others. So you could maybe have a group of other people that you could you could all be fasting and praying for the same particular need. So you could support each other. I feel like that could be a, a ver, you know a very powerful thing that you could do. Of course, there were a lot of people praying and fasting for uh, the missionaries that were uh, that were kidnapped for you know for quite a long time. That would be, you know, that that's the sort of thing that you could fast and pray for. Or it could be something closer to home. It doesn't have to be something like that. There's so many needs in the world 
I feel like there's there's power there. We need to just reach out and uh, and be willing to you know to sacrifice a little bit of ourselves, and and there is power there. And and also, like has already been said, it's to it's to connect to God and to let God work. It's not necessarily for a selfish thing. And also, one thing I'd like to add is that there are many many benefits in the health world from fasting. But if you're jumping on the scale three times a day during your fast and going, woohoo, I've lost a pound, you're missing the point. Yes, as I've said, there are many health benefits from fasting, but we need to remember that this fast is the the biblical fast, the fast fasting and praying is between you and God. It is it is for spiritual benefits and Whatever else God chooses to bless us with through that is from Him. I like to think of fasting as uh, somewhat preparing, uh, preparing the vessel. So thinking of ourselves as as a vessel or as um, as either as a a, uh, a dish or an instrument, God instrument God can use, or um, a channel uh, that God can flow through. If there's something blocking the way, then it it limits God's power, and and Jesus showed that in His life, where He said He could, even He, the Son of God, couldn't do powerful works in some places because of things that were obstructing His power in people's lives. And so, fasting can be a time of coming before God and just asking the Lord to speak and to reveal, to to shine His light in your life, and things that you don't have any any conscience against, like you're not bothered by, um, you can ask God in prayer and fasting, reveal something more of yourself to me and reveal to me, is there something in me that should go? And he may tap you and say, this thing, this thing that you're holding on to, uh, it's, it's crowding out room for me to sit on the throne of your heart. And that allows you to get to deal with that thing and then um, uh, allow God to to work. One thing that bothers me is this idea of besetting sin. I've heard this a lot and I heard it a lot when I was in my teens. Like there were certain things that that I as a teenager dealt with and num- numerous people told me, well, that's your besetting sin. Like it's just a thing that you're going to be dealing with all your life. But the scripture says those sins that beset you, get rid of them. And so if you have something that you're struggling with that keeps coming up, something that you're failing in, and uh, whether it's a a purity thing or whether it's your uh, temper, whether it's some way that you're not being moderate in a a thing or greed that you have or anger at another person, a time of, of fasting and sorrow and coming before God and saying, help me to cleanse this out of my heart and to change me and make me who you want me to be is very powerful in uh, overcoming in overcoming sin like that. And then another just a practical thing is as you're fasting, when should you pray or how long should you pray? Hunger pains are a great reminder to... <laughs> to take a moment and stop and pray. But you can you should also have a dedicated time, I think, and I recommend first thing in the morning following the example of of Abraham and and Jacob and David and Daniel and Job and Jesus. They got up early in the morning and prayed. And so we want to set aside our best hour for the Lord and come to him in prayer and fasting. But hunger pains throughout the day, that's a great way to get more prayer in. Yeah, thank you for that, Sean. I think that's one of the central themes of fasting is that it gives you more time for prayer and it reminds you to pray off more often. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've been we've been talking a good bit about fasting here, about what it is, the different types, different places it talks about in the Bible, and different ways that it was used in the Bible. But I think it'd be good for us to get a bit more practical in a lot of ways. So, Sean. Uh, Imagine I'm somebody who has never fasted before, would like to, feels like it's something that is that a Christian should do. We've, we've laid out a bunch of reasons that are hopefully fairly compelling. 
so how how could I get started? Um, what are some things that I should go through to uh, to begin uh, kind of a habit of fasting or uh, or maybe there's an issue in my life that I want to deal with? Can you give me some advice? I recently had that question given to me by a younger person than I am, someone in their 20s who had, I think they said never fasted before. And they asked me um, if I had, what do I think, et cetera, how to go about it. And it was kind of this idea where this person was in, in their life was they were in a place with their journey with the Lord where they were becoming a bit more serious or wanted to become a bit more serious. And so they're like, this thing, fasting comes up in scripture. I'm supposed to be doing it, but I don't know how or why. So my advice to them was, uh, first of all, why don't you read this book? Because <laughs> <laughs> I had just coincidentally finished God's, uh, God's Chosen Fast. But there are a couple of other good books about fasting that I would recommend that are, are short and um, not too theological that you can kind of work through and figure out um, the, what I would consider maybe the lost the lost art or the lost discipline of fasting. It's not something that gets done or that we don't find out about it anyway mm-hmm. very much in our people. But then I talked to that person about where are you in your season of life and what are the desires of your heart and what are the battles that you're facing? And also, what is God wanting either out of you, out of your community, um, out of, you know, think wider, maybe out of your town, out of your uh, country, I don't know. And those are things that I think we see in Scripture people fasted for. Uh, people even fasted um, and prayed for uh, wanting, wanting to have a baby or um, there, are, there are all sorts of things that people have fasted for in the Bible. And so this person, where they were in their season of life, uh, they were in their uh, early 20s and single, thinking about uh, wondering if God wanted them to be married, what that meant. And so I said, well, maybe there's your first good place to start. Mm-hmm. Fast and pray and seek the Lord about what is he wanting out of you? Is he wanting... Uh, marriage for you? And if so, how, how is that going to look? What's the timing going to be? Um, you also have the other person that you need to be uh, fasting and praying for, et cetera. And, and in that case, you're not necessarily moving God to uh, perform a miracle, perhaps, although bringing the two right people together, I suppose, could be considered a miracle. But you're more trying to align yourself with God's will and so a a time of fasting or some times of fasting over uh, a season can help you come before God and and listen and meditate and purify yourself. It, it can be a bit of a refining process where you realize, like James Schenck mentioned, that there are things that can hinder our prayers and hinder our connection with God. And so we're not able to... Uh, clearly get a picture of what he's saying or how he would like to lead. I think even in that verse that talks about how if a husband and wife have a disagreement between them, they need to take care of it so that their prayers aren't hindered. And so it can be uh, just very common things that we don't think about maybe on a daily basis that may be weakening us a bit. And a time of fasting and prayer and dedicated uh, seeking the Lord can help you go through that refining fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. I think uh, what I have to, if I was asked that question, James, maybe I'll take the sure. opportunity here to answer that question as well. Uh, a couple of different things I'd put together, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time. I've just got a Bible verse that goes with each different topic, but it's fasting is a form of mourning, and they mourned and wept and fasted until even for Saul and for Jonathan his son and for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel because they were fallen by the sword. Second Samuel one twelve. Fasting is a form of preparation. 
Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, and when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. Matthew 4, 1 through 2. And I think that was Jesus preparing for his ministry there. Mm -hmm. Fasting is a way of seeking wisdom. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Acts 14, 23. And I like this last one here. Fasting is a form of service. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day, Luke 2.37. Mm-hmm. And she's just an inspiration. Here's a lady, 84 years old, continually serving God with fastings and prayers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was something that that I think, James, I think you mentioned that you said that um, you know, fasting is not, it's not like if you fast, all of a sudden, all of your prayers are going to be answered and everything is going to become super clear. So both of you, I believe, have fasted more than I have. So both of you can answer. Have you received any answers to prayer or how have you been answered or strengthened or changed through your experiences? Well, I can't, I don't have any uh, personal examples to give. I don't know, maybe my prayers haven't been specific enough when fasting, but what comes to mind when you ask that question is the recent kidnapping of the uh, Haiti captives, mm-hmm. the almost miraculous escape of those captives after a communal time of prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of you can elaborate on that a little more, I don't know. I think that actually happened. I'm trying to remember when that happened exactly. There were a number of different times that they called for prayer and fasting through that whole experience, and I'm not sure who all did. I did actually do some do some time of prayer and fasting myself. Um, and yeah, in a sense, it, it it felt like it took way too long, but I guess it happened in God's time. So things, yeah, it's definitely not it's not a magic magic way to solve all of our problems. I don't think that it's meant to be, and there might be times that we don't necessarily get answers right away, but that's not necessarily a problem, I would say. I mean, oftentimes it's it's through times when our prayers aren't answered immediately that we we learn we learn patience, we learn the ability to keep on even when things don't seem quite like we'd want them to be, and maybe we also realize that what we wanted isn't maybe what God wants for us. So just uh, the ability to, to kind of have peace and, and just rest in him, even if we don't necessarily know what's, uh, what all is going on. Mm-hmm. In answer to your question, James, for for me, I have done a couple of, like I said, I've done a few longer fasts. And in the book, God's Chosen Fast, he mentions that longer fasts need to be uh, called by God or you need to be moved by God and not necessarily that you come to a longer fast with the intention that you're going to change God or or get him to do a thing you might find some people who who would have bold enough faith to uh to do that too I don't know but we as a group here in Peru recently felt that uh, there were a few things going that, that we felt oppression and, and uh, some maybe you, you would say spiritual attacks in some ways. We wanted to come together in prayer. And so some some of us were praying and fasting maybe um, a day or some couple of days per week. And then there were a couple of us who uh, chose to take um, a month of fasting and we made it uh, what would be termed a partial fast so we were only eating uh, one meal per day and using the other two meals as our fasting and um, then taking mm-hmm. a special time of an hour per day of or so of prayer for these particular topics and so we we did this for an entire month like I said and 
nothing happened. <laughs> and so what James said, James Shank said earlier about that uh, fasting and prayer um, isn't necessarily uh, a direct line to a miracle can be true in that sense. And I say nothing happened in that the prayers that we were specifically praying for were not instantly answered in the specific ways that we were praying. But we knew that we were praying according to God's will because the things that we were praying were according to Scripture and we were praying Scripture. But what was happening, I noticed, and it was easier to see after that month had gone past, was God was refining each of the members in the church here and there was confession coming up. There were um, hidden hidden things in individuals' lives. And like uh, Corey Tim Boom talks about closing the circle of, of confession and, and uh, sanctification. That was happening in our members here. And so as that month progressed, we as a body became more more united, more sanctified, more focused in our vision. And we, there was a definite, if you could, if you could graph it, there was a definite, uh, increase in fervor in, in pursuing the vision and, and meeting people and, and doing Bible studies and so on. But just before midnight at the end of that month, I got an email from uh, a pastor who was involved with one of the specific prayer requests that we as a church here were praying about uh, a young man who had turned away from the Lord. And he messaged and said, this young man just this evening came, met with me, and we have spent the last several hours uh, uh, talking and praying, and he has uh, given his heart to the Lord. And it was like minutes before the month was over. And it was so incredible, and there were some of us <laughs> that were up. We had met to kind of celebrate that the month was over, and we made um, chicken tenders, and the idea was that uh, right toward midnight we were going to eat the chicken tenders and kind of this be our celebration. The fast is over, et cetera. And uh, so we got that news, and we stopped our chicken tender frying and just went back to praying and praising God for for answering so that was really incredible for us as a group to to see that God wanted to work in us first. And I think what where Jesus talked about this time this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting maybe has a lot more to do with who we are and how empty we are of self and how full we are of the Holy Spirit and less has less to do with how powerful that evil force is because if we're full of the Holy Spirit, the one that's in us is greater than anything that's out there. But we have a lot, a lot of work to do to make sure that we're empty of of all of, of all of that self and so on. Now, the month that followed that month of fasting, we saw about every week one of the prayers that we had been praying for realized, and maybe not in a in the very exact way that we were praying, but definitely in the spirit of the way that we were praying. And it just moved us as a body to realize that God was hearing, but we had work to do ourselves. And so I think what we came away from that long-term fast as a group was realizing that if we are who we are and we allow God to be who he is, he can get a lot more done. And fasting can do that for you. It, that's that refining process. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I've, I knew you you kind of, I think maybe toward the end, you had mentioned that you were fasting and, you know, you were not doing your, your fasting before, before men to be seen of them. And so <laughs> um, I didn't hear a lot and I didn't, I didn't ask a lot, but I knew you were fasting. And uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's amazing that, uh, that prayers are being answered. And even, even though maybe it, it took longer than you were hoping it would and not maybe quite as you were expecting, but yeah, the Lord can work in his way his timing is better than ours for sure. So, and one of the things I just would like to to uh, jump in here and say, I, I was late to the podcast this evening. Thank you, James and James, for being patient and waiting on me. 
Uh, one of the reasons I was late be- was because I didn't get back in uh, to town to the vet to pick up my my dog who was uh, there under surgery. And the reason I didn't was because uh, one of the ladies, the local ladies here in, in Iscuchaca, Peru, was on that prayer list during that month of fasting. And that's behind us some time now. And we have as a we have as a church group continued to pray for her, and several of us have uh, taken to uh, continuing to fast once per week uh, for this lady. And we had a Bible study with her this afternoon, and she said she specifically wanted to ask about some things related to to receiving uh, the Lord Jesus or like beginning life with Him, and so. Uh, I was there and two of the ladies from here were there. We talked with her, went over a number of questions and she said, she's ready. And so Hmm. we, we went over a number of scriptures and I especially wanted her to, to consider about counting the cost because she was, um, living in a, a sinful relationship with a man. And in order for her to be in obedience, she would need to, to separate. And she said, She's counted the costs. She knows that she's in the sinful relationship. She's ready to follow Jesus all the way, and she's going to um, ask forgiveness from this man, and she wants to separate from him and and be pure and and start uh, start this life of obedience. And so just before this podcast, I mean, uh, an hour, yeah, an hour before we began <laughs> recording, uh, we had the privilege, my wife and I, and I'm getting just a little bit, uh, there's something stuck in my throat right now because of it, but God is very good. <laughs> my wife and I and uh, uh, my sister-in-law were there. We prayed with her. Uh, she prayed. She wept. She confessed. And after we were through that session, she she lifted up her head and I said, how do you feel? She said, there's peace she said, "There's something. There's something new inside." She said, "Praise God for that." And uh, we're we're very we're rejoicing. I, I was. We aren't the only ones who have been praying and fasting for her. So, um, uh, praying and fasting is not about. Again, is not about us. It's not about our power, but it is about making a vessel, making a vessel that's uh, pure and a channel that's open for God's spirit to, to flow through and to be able to work. And we were able to privilege to witness that tonight. And, um, I guess any of you all listening can, can pray for the little church down here in Iscuchaca, Peru, as we, um, help this, uh, dear new, dear new Christian on her walk with the Lord. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure how good of a job Sean is going to do on editing here, but we, kind of started out the podcast and I don't know, it felt a little bit disjointed and like it wasn't really flowing very well. Um, but we, it, it feels like we, we've ended on, on uh, a powerful note. So thank you, Sean, for, for sharing that because yeah, uh, like we said, I think maybe at the very beginning of the, of recording that it's not about saying, look at us, we can fast or whatever. It's about sharing our experiences and hopefully inspiring others. So I, I know that I've been inspired and very much have been challenged uh, thinking about this topic and then uh, being in this discussion. I just think about all the different different challenges that are facing our churches, both mm-hmm. in the United States and you know uh, all across the world, uh, different pressures, different things. It feels like everything's against us in a lot of ways, both inside the church and outside of the church. And, you know, what can we do? How can we how can we fix this problem? And I really wonder if if more focus on prayer and fasting coming together with specific needs, uh, laying them before the Lord and just spending that time being willing to you know, to put aside our own desires that that could that could really unlock something that is uh, is much more powerful than than getting together and having more discussions or more conferences or more <laughs> uh, seminars or whatever yeah. even though those things are good we still you know we already have lots of those and it feels like 
what's the point of having more of them? But I wonder if, if we would be able to unlock the power of the Spirit. And in just the way that you've been describing, I wonder if that could that could be the solution. So going back to the email from our listener, I don't know if we answered your questions or not. Um, hopefully there's some things for, for you and for other listeners to, to think about. I know I have some things to think about myself. I think that's it for this time. Uh, thank you, James Shank, for for joining us and, and sharing your your perspectives and thoughts on this particular topic. I say thank you both for allowing me to be a part of this topic. I realize that it's a it's a serious topic and appreciate that there's a platform that we can talk about this and share it. And as Sean was telling his story of his event that just happened today, all I could keep thinking was to God be the glory.